Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When a person first begins to discover that they have been totally forgiven, they have the complete forgiveness of sins from the living God. When a person first discovers this, they really begin to embrace it And one of the first things that they start to recognize is that their prayer life becomes a bit of a struggle. And the reason why it becomes a bit of a struggle is because people's prayer lives are generally consumed with trying to obtain forgiveness, or at least the beginning of their prayers or the initiation of their prayers. Their appeals before God normally begin with a request for forgiveness, and then once they have received forgiveness to their personal satisfaction, then they believe that they can then begin to make their appeals known to God so that God will be able to respond to them because he no longer holds their sins against them. This is the kind of thing that a lot of people believe, and why they experience a great struggle when they discover that they have already been forgiven, because everything about a person's prayer life can begin to change. There are new opportunities for change after that. For example, when you discover that you have received everything that you need for life and godliness through his indwelling presence within you, then what you ask for begins to change. Because if you have everything you need for life and godliness, then what else is there? What else are you going to really ask for? And so people begin to discover that because of what they have, the way that they approach their God begins to really change. And when people are first confronted with this, they normally just don't know what to do at first because you actually can reach out to your God in a more personal, intimate way as opposed to following some formula that people normally prescribe or follow in order to try to get right with God so that they can get God to respond to them. Now, one of the ways that people often notice this is when they have been repeating what is normally referred to as the Lord's Prayer. There are a lot of people who consider themselves to be Christians, and they are associated with a church or a denomination of some kind. And part of the liturgy that defines their Christian life is to go and participate in a religious activity. And in the midst of that religious activity, they may find themselves reading from the Scriptures quoting the Lord's Prayer as part of their liturgy in order to obtain or sustain their right standing with their God. And so there are a lot of people who have memorized the Lord's Prayer just because of the repetition that they have done as part of their worship or their liturgy before God. But what happens is that when a person starts to really think about what they consider to be the Lord's Prayer, when they really think about what the Lord is encouraging them to consider it starts to create a little bit of confusion. So I'd like to take a minute to address this. I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, in order to address this. This is Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. It says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. 
Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Continuing in verse 7, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, and then this becomes the model for how we pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. Now, there's an awful lot I can say about this passage in the scriptures. There is an awful lot to be said here. But in this program, I would just like to focus on the subject of forgiveness. There are two verses in this section that address the subject of forgiveness. The first verse is verse 12. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then in verse 14, he says that if we forgive others, then God will forgive us. But in verse 15, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. Now, when a person starts to understand that they have been totally forgiven, this passage in the scriptures should come up and raise questions in their mind concerning the complete forgiveness that they have. Because these are the words of the Lord Jesus. If the Lord Jesus says that we will not be forgiven if we don't forgive others, then there is a condition to the forgiveness that we are seeking from our God. But if it is true that we have already been forgiven because of what he has done, then how can we believe that this is conditional on the basis of our forgiving others first? In other words, you can either rest in the truth that you have forgiveness because of his death on the cross, or you can believe that you can obtain forgiveness because you managed to forgive others. Now, there is a big distinction between the two, and you can't have it both ways. And this is where the confusion starts to surface in people's minds. Now, there are a number of ways that people resolve this. The easiest way is to just simply forget that you are completely forgiven and continue with the liturgy that you are accustomed to, especially because you don't want to make any waves in your church. You don't want to rock the boat in any way. And so let's just forget about all the forgiveness that we have. No, no, you don't want to do that. Because if you do that, then you're denying the truth that has already been revealed to you. You are going to have to continue. You have been exposed to the truth of God, and you are going to have to deal with this reality. Now, the way to deal with this is really very simple. It's not complicated at all. I did a complete series on the Sermon on the Mount, and so I would like to encourage you to listen to that because I tell you why he gave the Sermon on the Mount. I tell you about who he was speaking to, why he was speaking to them. Let me just give you a brief summary concerning this, and that is that the reason why he gave the Sermon on the Mount was so that people would be so buried by all the admonitions, all the commands that he gave, that they would discover that they have no hope of ever entering into the kingdom of God 
with that as grace and mercy. Consider what he said at the end of chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, where he said, Therefore, you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, how are you doing with that? Are you as perfect as God? No. Well, then there is no way that you can possibly enter into the kingdom of heaven, unless you are willing to take the alternative, which is his mercy, his grace. That is the only way. He was speaking to people who believed that they would be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven because of their repentance and obedience, because they successfully repented of all of their sins and they were completely obedient to the commands that were issued through Moses. So he was speaking to a people who did not believe that they had a need for his grace and mercy because they believed that they were completely obedient to God. That is why he gave the Sermon on the Mount why he said these things to these people, because they did not believe that they needed the mercy. They did not believe that they needed forgiveness. So if you were to read the next chapter, chapter 6, as I just did, in that context, then you can understand his position concerning forgive others or you will not be forgiven, because that would be the definition of perfection. If you are as perfect as God then you will be able to forgive others. And if you forgive others, then God certainly cannot hold any of your sins against you because that represents total absolute perfection. That is a part of perfection. There's a lot more you're going to have to do besides just that. Don't get me wrong. It's just that this is the way that Jesus communicated to these people that they needed grace and mercy. That's why he said these things. Let me give you a simple example Consider what was written in the New Covenant in Colossians, in the New Testament, Colossians and in Ephesians concerning this. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then in verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. In verse 32, he says the same thing. But beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, there's a big difference between forgive others or he will not forgive you and forgive others as he has already forgiven you. And you can't have it both ways. You're going to have to choose which one you're going to believe. Either you are going to forgive others so you can get forgiveness or you have forgiveness so that you can forgive others. Now, this is very similar to the chicken and the egg scenario. And the only solution that I know of to that, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, forgiveness, you forgive others, or he forgives you? Which one comes first? The only solution that I know of to that is described in Genesis when God said that he created the chicken. The chicken came first. So also, his reconciliation to humanity was initiated by him. He forgave us. And when did this happen? This happened on the cross. That's when forgiveness was given to humanity. So pay attention to this. This is very important. Before the cross, we were not forgiven. After the cross, we were forgiven. If before the cross, 
you were not forgiven because forgiveness wasn't executed until he died on the cross. If before the cross you were not forgiven, then you were not forgiven. So if you wanted to obtain forgiveness, you had to do it by your repentance and obedience. The fact of the matter is that you would never repent and obey enough in order to obtain his forgiveness. That was his message. That was his ministry. The ministry of the Lord Jesus was to show people that they had a need for forgiveness, and the only way they could get it is if God gave it to them, regardless of whether they forgave others or not. It wouldn't matter at that point. So this is the answer to the question, and that is that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. Before the cross, we were not forgiven. After the cross, we were. Before the cross, we had to forgive others in order to try and obtain forgiveness. Of course, we never would, because we would never be perfect as God. But after the cross, now that we have forgiveness, the admonition is to forgive others with the forgiveness that you have already received. That is one way to describe the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Again, remember in the previous program, the New Covenant went into effect because he remembers our sins no more. That means that the New Covenant was not in effect until after he died. If the New Covenant was not in effect until after he died, then before he died, he taught the Old Covenant because that was the covenant that was in effect. Now, if you wanted to be technical about it, you could say that the Old Covenant is still in effect because we can still use it to lead a person to the New Covenant. You can also understand this from a different point of view, which is that the Old Covenant dealt with the issues of the flesh and the New Covenant deals with the issues of the Spirit. Another way to look at this is to say that the Old Covenant prevented you from being reconciled to God because there was no provision for that so that you could never know your God. But the new covenant is a covenant that has gone into effect because he has reconciled you to himself so that you can now have the opportunity to know your God. Those are some examples of how you can distinguish between the old and the new covenant and the differences that they have. But with reference to the Lord's Prayer, When people pray this prayer, if they take a moment to really think about what they're praying, which is actually quite unusual, but if they do, if they take a moment to think about what they are really reciting, what is really said here, this is what's going to come up. And the answer, the conclusion that they must reach in order to get past this is to understand that we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven, not forgive others so that we can be forgiven. Because if that's true, they never will be forgiven. That's the issue of the Lord's Prayer. Now, there are very few people who actually understand this. It's unfortunate, but there are very few people who truly understand this. And there are many ways that people still use this prayer in order to prevent people from recognizing that they have been totally forgiven. Let me give you an example. Consider a basic counseling situation. What I'm going to describe to you is a very common counseling situation that people experience all the time. It's not unusual for people to experience a great deal of pain and suffering in their life. There's a lot of sin that is in the world, and there are a lot of people who are close to us who have an opportunity to hurt us. That is a reality of life. And on occasion, we'll go to our Christian leaders, asking them for some guidance, some instruction, some inspiration of some kind, some help in order to get past the pain and the suffering 
that we have in our lives. So let's assume somebody comes to me, right? Somebody comes to me and says, Aaron, I am hurting deeply. And I ask them, why? Why are you hurting deeply? And they tell me, because this person has hurt me in a really deep, personal way. How do I get past this? All I have to do is say, oh, no problem. Don't worry. I'm glad you came to me because I am, of course, a man of God. I know the Bible. And so let's open the scriptures and see what the Lord Jesus has had to say about this subject. And with this religious, pious attitude, I pull out Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, where it says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. And after reading this, I look at you and I say, Now listen, I understand that this person has hurt you in a very deep way. And I am very sad for you. I feel bad. I do. I want you to know that I feel the pain that you are experiencing as you're expressing to me the violations that have been committed against you. But listen to me very carefully. If you do not forgive this person, then your God will not forgive you. You will go to hell and you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Now, don't you feel better? Don't you feel better? Doesn't that sound terrible? Doesn't that sound horrible? I mean, if somebody said that to you, how would that make you feel? Perhaps somebody has said that to you. I would be surprised if they haven't, just because this is so common. This is very, very common. This happens a lot. You may not know it. But let me tell you something. This happens a lot. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of people who esteem themselves to be great men of God, priests and pastors and ministers, who tell people things like this. And what does this say? This says you need to be thankful for all the pain and suffering. You need to forgive these other people because if you don't, then your God will not forgive you. Well, this is great. How about this? How about if I hurt you deeply and then I tell you immediately after I hurt you, I say something like, okay, now listen, I know I just hurt you deeply, but I'll tell you what, if you don't forgive me, If you don't forgive me right now, then God is not going to forgive you. So now you better do it and do it quickly, too, because you don't want to wait on this one. You don't want God to hold your anger against you. So you better get to it. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? That sounds totally ridiculous. But that's the truth, is that people who have hurt you then have control over whether or not you are going to be forgiven by God because you have to forgive them, otherwise God will not forgive you. This is what people are teaching. This is what people are believing. There are a lot of people who really believe this. I mean, believe this deeply. They say, if I don't forgive those people who have hurt me, then God will not forgive me. And you can see the pain in their eyes. You can see it. I've seen it a number of times. I know what I'm talking about. I have seen the pain that they struggle with, that this person has hurt them in a deep way, and they just really want to forgive them, not because they love them or they're thankful for the pain, but they really want to forgive because they really believe that God won't forgive them, and it's just eating at them. Because whenever the subject comes up, whenever they are reminded of the pain and the suffering that they have experienced, they start having those unforgiving feelings, and it's just eating at them. Folks, that's not why he said this. He said this to show you that you can never forgive people. Embrace that. Be thankful for that. 
and understand that if you are going to forgive others, you have to first rest in the forgiveness that he has for you. That's what the new covenant is about. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. You will not forgive others unless you rest in the forgiveness that he has for you. So we must, we must take the time to discover, embrace, and rest in the forgiveness that he has for us. And so in the next program, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about being forgiven that you need to rest in the forgiveness that you have. Not only intellectually acknowledge and accept the fact that the sin issue between you and your God is over, but you're going to have to actually live with that. I mean, really live with that and rest in it and embrace your God with that forgiveness. And when you do, when you finally grow in that reality, then you will have a forgiveness that has been given to you, that you will be able to give to those who have hurt you. And so after that, I'll talk about not only being forgiven, but also what does it mean to forgive others with the forgiveness that you have. This is a very important subject and a very important transition that a new believer or an immature believer needs to experience as part of discovering what we have in Christ Jesus. Now, with reference to prayer, I'd like to encourage you to listen to the programs that I've done on prayer and also the programs that I've done on the will of God. And then a good follow-up to that is the programs that I've done on our identity in Christ. And so there's a lot more that I can speak about concerning this subject and where it really goes and where it leads. There's a lot more that I can refer you to, work that I've already done, that you will be able to really appreciate and understand and will definitely direct you towards greater maturity in your relationship with your God. But it really starts with forgiveness. This is where everything starts. So rest in the forgiveness that you have. Discover how this transforms you to be able to forgive others. And then you can move on into these other things. But with reference to the Sermon on the Mount, with reference to the Lord's Prayer, I need you to understand, this is important for you to see, you need to understand That if a person is referring you to the Sermon on the Mount or they are referring you to the Lord's Prayer, they are encouraging you to recite that as if that is what establishes or sustains your relationship with your God. If that's what they believe, then this is a person who has no concept of forgiveness, no idea what it means to forgive others as you have already been forgiven, because they do not yet see that they have been forgiven. I mean, if you know that you have been totally forgiven, there's no way that you can pray that prayer anymore. There's no way you can study the Sermon on the Mount in that context. There is no way to believe that kind of stuff because you cannot live in both the Old and the New Covenants simultaneously. You are either forgiven or you are not. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383, 
1-800-273-8253, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.